Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, along with Pastor Jeff Cranston. And we haven't said this in a while. We're putting the theological cookies on the bottom shelf where everyone can reach them. Well, we're trying to. We're trying to. We're trying to. And we're doing that today with part two of our Q&A a.k.a. Stump Pastor Jeff. With some <laughs> Stump crazy. the chump. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> but we are throwing out some questions to Pastor Jeff. And gosh, last podcast, we had some yeah. incredible questions to, I hope I didn't to rifle through. cause you to ask more questions, but if I did... Send uh, them our way. Send them our way, and we'll do our best to answer them. Well, hey, today's first two questions come from a soft spot for you. They come from family members. Yeah. Family members of yours. I didn't think they listened. I'm shocked. <laughs> family members of yours that you love and appreciate. And guess what? They both have to do with Satan. Oh, my goodness. Is there something going on in your family that you need to tell us about? <laughs> oh, my word. Well, here they are. And one relates to the other. So we're going to combine them together. Because the first question is, how did Satan go from this favored angel to fallen angel and then as a follow-up did god change his mind regarding satan i.e did god stop loving him at some point along the way uh don't you just love these little light little questions (laughs) did satan how did satan go from favored angel to fallen Fallen angel angel. that's the first one and then did god change okay so this is tying in with the immutability of mm-hmm, god mm-hmm. did god change his mind regarding satan like he loved him and then did he stop loving him so let let's do a little background here um, on my least favorite topic in the universe which would be satan mm. but his fall from heaven is described in isaiah 14 and ezekiel 28 now those two passages are referring specifically to the kings of Babylon and Tyre, but they're also referencing the spiritual power behind those kings, which was Satan. Mm. Those passages describe why Satan fell, but they don't specifically say when that occurred. What we do know is this. The angels were created before the earth. Job 38 tells us that. So Every angelic being there is was created before our universe was created. Mm -hmm. Satan fell before he tempted Adam and Eve, obviously, in the Garden Mm -hmm. of Eden. Satan's fall, therefore, must have occurred somewhere after the time the angels were created because he is an angel and before he tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of either. So whether his fall occurred hours, days, years, eons, millennia... um, Before he tempted Adam and Eve, Scripture does not tell us that. Mm. The book of Job tells us, at least at that time, Satan still had access to heaven and to the throne of God. And that—I don't have answers for all of that. Mm. If you all ask questions about Mm -hmm. that, I'll I'll do my best. But (laughs) how did Satan have access to heaven and the throne of God? But that's what Job uh, 38—I'm sorry, Job 1 is telling us. Uh, Anyway, the— 
Job 1, 6 and 7 says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. So apparently at that time, Satan was still moving freely between heaven and earth, speaking to God directly and answering for his, Satan's activity. So whether God has discontinued this access does that still go on today? It's it's up for debate. Some say Satan's access to heaven was ended at the death of Christ. Others believe Satan's access to heaven will be ended at the end times war in heaven. Mm. So, but the question was why why did he fall from heaven? Satan fell. Very simply, the answer is Satan fell because of pride. Pride. He desired to be God, no longer to be a servant of God. When you, when you read Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, you'll see Satan speaking there. And notice, if you read it, the times he says, I will. I will. It's all about himself. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel 28 describes Satan as an exceedingly beautiful angel. Satan was uh, likely the highest of, of all angels, kind of the anointed cherub. Hard to think of him as a cherub. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most beautiful of all God's angelic creations, but Satan was not content with that. Instead, he desired to be God, uh, essentially wanting to kick God off of his throne and take over the rule of the universe. So Satan wanted to be God, and interestingly enough, that's essentially what Satan tempted Adam and Eve with in the Garden of Eden. Mm. How did Satan fall from heaven? Well, actually, a fall is not an accurate description. It would be far more accurate to say God cast Satan out of heaven. Um, Satan really didn't fall from heaven as much as he was pushed. Hmm. And and God did the pushing. Mm -hmm. So, goodness, a lot to unpack there. But So Satan went from this favored angel status to now a fallen angel status because of pride. Right. So what happened in that transition? Was there the love of God before, and then that love was removed after the fall? How how does that work? So did God still love him? I mean, we talked about God and love and hate in just a few podcasts ago, but as with every answer we seek to provide here on Kitchen Table Theology— We have to turn to the Scripture. So let's look at how the Bible describes Satan. And when we do, we read that Jesus told some of the religious leaders and others in John 8, He said, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Uh, That's pretty Hmm. hard talk. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's Jesus describing Satan. Mm. And in that, that's only one verse. That's John 8, 44. And in that one verse, Jesus calls Satan a murderer, a liar, the father of lies, and states that the truth is not in him. In Luke 8, 12, Jesus says this, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So here Satan is described as a thief, one who takes the word of God from those who heard it and were on their way to belief and relationship, and he comes in and he steals it. Mm. So the earliest followers of Jesus affirmed those views of Satan. Satan's described as a lion, wishing to devour those who follow Jesus as a tempter, uh, 
who seeks to destroy Christians. He's also noted as a schemer, and his schemes are clearly opposed to God. The Bible teaches us that he is a tempter, and this is best seen in his temptations of Jesus. In both Matthew 4 and Luke 4, we read when Satan tempted Jesus three times and that Jesus resisted each time. And then it all ended with Jesus saying, Be gone, Satan. And Jesus clearly stood opposed to Satan and his message. So based on those passages and others, it is clear that God opposes and is against Satan. So I'll just be as clear as I can be. God does not love Satan. Mm. And we are not to fall for Satan's deception or show love or compassion to him. He's the enemy of our souls and to everything that is godly. The good news is Jesus has already defeated Satan. Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. You know, I've been having this conversation about does God love and hate because that that podcast um, really um, had a number of listeners, a, a lot, a lot more, and uh, just having some conversations with people I know around here. And I mean, even good, solid Christians that I've talked with, they still have trouble saying the words that mm-hmm. you know. Does God hate Satan? Yes. Well, but God is love, and so if. You want to know more about that? Go check out that podcast. It wasn't. It was just a few weeks ago. Uh, but we know the end of Satan's work is revealed in Revelation twenty. We're, we're told that the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown to the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And his end, Satan's, will be one of everlasting torment. He might deceive for now, which he does. His doom is near. His doom is certain. Again, Jesus has no love for Satan, has resisted him, has defeated him, and has predicted his future demise in hell. And I think there's a t- this is a time to remind ourselves, God is love, yes, but he is also holy and just. And he stands opposed to anyone or anything that is unholy and unjust and against him and his precepts and principles. And we're certainly thankful for that because we've got you know, as promised, someone who fights for us, knowing, as Scripture tells us, that that victory has already been won. Goodness, what a great question. Well, our last question comes in an email from Caitlin. Caitlin says that she has had this question posed to her by some of her younger girls that she mentors, and it's this. How do we know confidently that God hears our prayers, especially if one is, ooh, unsure of that assurance of salvation. Scripture says that God hears the prayers of the righteous, but if someone is confused about their assurance of faith, how do we know that he does hear? And this question is one of about five submitted by Caitlin. And this <laughs> well, if one... she works with young ones of any age, she's definitely well, got a plethora of them. This is the easiest question of them all that she sent. Caitlin's a very deep thinker, and we'll try to tackle some of her other questions in a future Q&A podcast. The other questions dealt with postmodernism and the prosperity gospel. Mm. How do we know that which is abstract or that which we do not see? And is God eternally creator with or without creation or something to be Lord of? If 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 there's no creation, is he still the eternal creator? She, she, and she's pulling all of this out of Augustine's book, The City of God. And did I mention Caitlin is 16? I think 
16 years old. Maybe we need a three-part podcast just uh, with Caitlin. We we'll need just, just a, a Caitlin <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah. So I have farmed some of these questions out to people far smarter than me. Okay, let's restate the question for the podcast here. How do we know confidently that God hears our prayers? Let's begin there, especially if one is unsure about his or her own mm. salvation. Well, Caitlin, it's a great question. Uh, let's just begin with this. Whether we feel as if we are saved or not, God hears everything, including our prayers. He is God. Nothing gets by Him. Uh, he's sovereign over everything He created. So maybe the question is not so much whether God is aware of every prayer, because He is, but whether God is tuning into our prayers with an intent to answer them. Mm. That's sort of the same question, but a little bit nuanced. We know God wants us to pray. We know that God desires fellowship with us. Yet it's important to remember that most promises of God in Scripture were written to His people. In the Old Testament, those promises were for Israel and all, all who united with them. In the New Testament, those promises were written to the followers of Jesus. It's a misuse of Scripture to pull out isolated verses and try to apply them to any situation we want, including prayer. Uh, even though the Lord knows all and hears all, He has given some circumstances in which He will not listen to our prayers. Mm. Uh, when we are choosing to hold on to sin rather than repent and change, God will not hear our prayers. That's Isaiah 115, Proverbs 28, 9. When we ask according to our own selfish desires, God will not hear our prayers. James 4, 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know, the, the example of that is, you know, just some guy dissatisfied with his three-year-old Toyota. So he prays for a brand new Tesla Model S performance <laughs> with ludicrous mode. You know, I'm not happy with what I get. He's not praying for that for any other reason than when he, what he can get for his own pleasure. Not to be specific or anything. No, no. <laughs> no. No, and those are only are $119,000 I looked it up, but I like it. It comes with ludicrous mode. I don't even know that, what that is. I don't either, but I think it makes it go fast. Oh. It's got to. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if you have an extra one lying around, you can send it here to Pastor Jeff Cranston, care of. We'll give you a kitchen table <laughs> I, I, theology I, I, mug in exchange. <laughs> I, and and we'll give him your, your, uh, your car. What do you drive again? The, I have a Prius. Uh, the Prius? It is yeah, wonderful. I don't, I don't think they're trading in the oh. Prius for that one. <laughs> Any, anyway, when we ask uh, for something that's not in accordance to God's will, God, well, here's what 1 John 5, 14 says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So there are, you know, alternatively, if we're asking things that are not according to His will, then He doesn't hear us. Mm -hmm. So when we do not ask in faith, He doesn't hear us. Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. However, faith is not believing for something, it's believing in someone, and that someone is, is Jesus. What we do not see in that list is that God does not hear us when we pray because we are troubled about our own assurance of salvation. Mm. So there's a number of reasons God does not hear our prayers when we pray them, and they're pretty clearly spelled out for us, but none of those things have anything to do about us being troubled about our own assurance of salvation. God is holy. 
and desires us to be holy as he is. And when he knows that we are seeking that holiness as well, that we are wanting to walk in our salvation, he's delighted to answer our prayers and hear our prayers in ways that are going to help us continue our spiritual growth. The secret to prayer, if there is a secret, and I'm not sure that there is, is abiding in Christ so that whatever we ask is in accordance with his heart. Only then can we have a confidence that God does hear our prayers with an intent to answer them. Mm. And I have a special heart for that because I grew up under a teaching that wasn't necessarily grounded in an assurance mm-hmm. of salvation. And Caitlin, I resonate with that as as you're mentoring younger girls because that can be a really hurtful and confusing process to walk through yeah. um, and to finally get to that freedom when you understand your true mm-hmm. assurance in your salvation in Christ. Well, Caitlin, in regard to that assurance of salvation, we'd like to point you to a chapter in Pastor Jeff's latest book, Chapter 2 of Your Greatest Adventure. That chapter is entitled Assurance, How to know that you know. Can't get more to the point than that. How to know that you know. Pastor Jeff, can we send Caitlin a free copy of your book so that she can use that in helping to mentor these young ladies? Absolutely. We'd be delighted to do that for you, Caitlin. I'll sign it, and I'll sign it to you, and that will... uh, Or maybe I shouldn't, because that always devalues it if I sign it. Oh, (laughs) stop. Not at all. Well, Caitlin, if you will email us an address that we can send that to... Send that to Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. We'll make sure we get that book sent out to you. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us for this second set of Q&A questions. It's certainly been an enlightening conversation to have. And if the, you still have those questions, keep them coming. We, we want to stockpile them here. And, you know, the next couple of podcasts are going to be something fun. Yay! Uh, not that this hasn't been fun. <laughs> Uh, well, ne- next podcast, uh, well, over the next two or three weeks. It's quiz time, isn't it? It's quiz time. Yay. And we're going to do some New Testament quizzes. You can check your New Testament knowledge against uh, New Testament reality and and see where you are, but it, it'll be fun. Well, be sure to visit jeffcranston.com in the meantime for blog posts and further resources. And check out our show notes on each and every podcast to dive deeper into your study of God's Word. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the real power of theology is not just in knowing it, but applying it. See you next time right here on Kitchen Table Theology. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.